0: Hello and welcome to this week's Health Tech Hour with me, Steve Roost. Each week, we bring you the best news, views and interviews with the leaders, CEOs, founders and clinicians that are shaping the healthcare revolution in the UK and beyond. As regular listeners know, I'm a founder and CEO of a health tech venture myself called PopDoc. We are transforming the way that people do blood tests, dramatically increasing access by allowing anyone with a phone to test themselves or be tested. Um, and getting quantitative health check in minutes. PocDoc also support the show, so thank you very much to them. Also, just to start the show, we polled the numbers for the show and the geographic spread of listeners the other day. So I want to say specific thanks to everyone listening and specifically thank you to our, to our people, our fans in Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Kenya, Thailand, the United Arab Emirates. Vietnam, Australia, New Zealand, Colombia, Brazil, Argentina, and also to our big listener groups in the USA, UK, France, Germany, and Switzerland. We are now at listeners in 36 countries every month and counting. So thank you very much. This is in no small part due to the amazing team at UK Health Radio, led by Johan and Rafaela. They do an incredible job, incredible content across the station, and also, if you don't know all UK Health Radio shows are now available on the UK Health Radio channel on Spotify and on all of the other podcast channels. So check them out. Um, Again, thanks for listening live on UK Health Radio if you are, or you can catch us on Spotify on our own channel, Health Tech Hour, or on the UK Health Radio channel. Thanks again, obviously, if you're watching us on YouTube or listening on any of the other podcast channels. So on to this week. Now, last week, we had Hamish Grierson from Thriver on Thriver being one of the most, I guess, um, commonly known consumer diagnostics brands in the UK. So today is a really great continuation of our deep dive into uh, diagnostics. We have one of the original pioneers of the UK diagnostics scene on the show, Chris Yates, the CEO of Abingdon Health, um, who Abingdon Health are one of the leaders in the industry, particularly focused around lateral flow manufacturing in the UK. They were one of the leading companies helping the government um, manufacture COVID tests at scale in the UK, and they've worked across a wide, wide range of diseases uh, and are held up as an example of UK innovation, UK life science success, and um, that culminated in IPO a couple of years ago. So, really a lot to get into. Chris, how are you? Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Steve. Delighted to be here. Great. So, let's jump into it shall we so um obviously you know we're in the diagnostic space i'm in the diagnostic space too but let's try and kind of avoid going down a rabbit hole and like having people switch off until later in the show so let's start with i think everyone i think what's really interesting for me particularly around lateral flow is and we saw this when we started pop dog which was slightly before the pandemic um is that lateral flow wasn't necessarily a household term before the pandemic <laughs> but yeah. you started the company like way before right I mean it was what 10 years ago 12 years ago maybe more uh,
1: just over 12 years ago yeah right. so,
0: um, yeah and so g- give us the kind of origin story let's start there yeah so um, my
1: colleague Chris Hand and I were the co-founders of Abingdon um, back in 2008 uh, we'd previously worked together at a company called Cozart Um Cozart was a a, a drugs of abuse lateral flow company that had been founded in uh, the '90s. I got involved. um I was actually uh, advised uh, Coza on its flotation on the stock market. That's where I met Chris. Um, the the business floated um around 2000, and um and we subsequently then sold that business in 2005. But that was a lateral flow testing company focused on drugs of abuse. And then Chris and I then set Abingdon Health up after that. And um. um and Lateral Flow has really been around since the 80s and was actually pioneered in the UK. Um, the first pregnancy tests were actually commercialised in the UK um, in the 80s. So we've got a huge amount of expertise, actually, um, in various companies and various people in the UK. And, um, yeah, and was and, and really founded off, off the back of that um, back in 2008.
0: OK. And what was it about Cozark? you said Kozark? Yeah. What was it about Kozark that you thought, you know what? I'm going to start a business like Kozark, but different. Well, I mean, yeah, we. I, I think lateral flow is, is
1: obviously a technology that's got a huge amount of applications. Uh, and um, and really, both Chris and I saw that opportunity. Um, uh, Cozart was very focused on drugs of abuse, um, both in, in terms of screening but also in, in confirmation. So it actually provided quite an integrated service. Um, so it also had back-to-the-lab confirmation service as well as lateral flow testing. But but both Chris and I saw the opportunity to to really build something Um, really focused on that technology and its applicability not just in clinical but across animal health plant testing and environmental testing and that's really what we set out to do at at, at abengdon
0: what's plant testing
1: so testing for plant pathogens so like
0: like like things that kill
1: plants potato virus uh, oh wow uh, ralstonia a whole bunch of um, uh, different plant pathogens that you can test using the you know the leaves or, uh, or the material, the plant material actually so um, wow. it just highlights the you know the broad applicability of this technology.
0: And at the time I guess in the early 2000s like you say pregnancy test UK invention clearly the first um, did you feel like the way people were thinking about it was sort of limited or like siloed like I'm not thinking about the bigger picture or something?
1: Yes I, I think there's always been a, a kind of a focus on laboratory testing and i think actually you know there is a role for both you know self testing point of care testing whether it's lateral flow or other methods as well as laboratory testing and i think an integrated approach is you know certainly going forward is is is, is going to be really important um and i and i think and from a from a technology point of view we felt that you know Lateral flow testing really co- could stand up, um, you know, compared to um, laboratory testing. Well, I think COVID really was a catalyst for that. In, in all honesty, um, <laughs> you know, prior to that, you know, it, it, the the you know the the application of lateral flow was was broad, um, but I actually think post COVID now, you know, we're, we're really seeing a paradigm shift in the use of lateral flow and the use of point of care and self testing in general. Actually,
0: yeah, I would I would completely concur concur with that, and so. Um... What was it like getting the company together at that point in time? you know, starting a company is always hard i I mean I, I would assume yeah. it was no different for you but but what was it you know what was it like? Were you sort of really trying to educate people, having to really educate people on what the technology even did, or did people sort of get it um it was a It
1: was a bit of a journey, I think, as you said earlier, Steve, you know prior to COVID, actually we had to explain what a lateral flow test was yeah um, you know we 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 always started by saying it's like a pregnancy test um but now uh, obviously everybody knows what a lateral flow and it's part of the vernacular really um doing a lateral flow um i think back back in the back in the day we started at uh, Abingdon in in two thousand and eight um just as the financial crisis was was really kicking off, so the first couple of years were extremely challenging um and and really Um, I think it's fair to say the business the business has changed you know somewhat over the course of those you know uh, over that over that decade plus um, in terms of what the proposition is Um, but yeah the first couple of years were challenging you know Lehman Brothers um, when burst I remember we were kind of in the city at the time looking to raise some money as the financial crisis was happening so it was it was extremely challenging times and I think um, you know, we kept going, we kept plugging away. We obviously had to um be very flexible in terms of our approach over the over the initial period. But but ultimately it came together in terms of the the proposition that we saw as uh, you know for Abingdon, um, you know, primarily being a, a contract manufacturer and developer um for 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 for, for other businesses really and, and and leveraging our lateral flow experience and expertise across a whole range of different applications. But it it's fair to say it took us a while to get to that point.
0: What, so let's, do, let's dig into that slightly, which is what was the, without, you know, don't need to get the old slide deck up or anything, but what was the um, evolution of where you sort of thought it was to where ultimately you sort of ended up figuring out, no, this is actually the thing that's going to take off?
1: Yeah, I think some of the learnings that we had in the initial days is we, we, we spread ourselves too thinly, actually. Um, so we tried to do too many things. Um, uh, it's fair to say as a business. Um, whether it was you know doing product development, working with um, third parties, almost becoming a quasi VC at, at times with with oh, other wow. entities, and, and I think you know I actually came in as CEO about eight years ago, and, and really um, you know I'd been a, a pretty much a non-exec prior to that, um, and and we we really focused the business down on on that cr- contract service proposition. Yeah. Um, so you know our, our mission has, has pretty much stayed the same throughout, which is which is really. Improving life by making rapid tests accessible to all, and that that's a really important element, and, and a really core you know of what we do, obviously. Um, but 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 the way we kind of have um, applied that uh, mission is is now through helping our customers bring their products to market. And yeah. I think really the, the learning from, from 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 you know from those early days is um, we try to do too many things at once, um, and so we've really focused down. Um, on what the core proposition is, what the core value proposition is of the business and 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 now we 're starting to have you know you know a fair degree of success in working with with a, with a large range of customers across a whole different range of sectors actually
0: I, that makes that makes sense I think just for the you know we 've got a broad church of people that listen to the show. just just again jump in here but but broadly with it i get maybe within any industry but we 're talking about diagnostics there 's kind of like two pathways right you 're either the company that has the test and you own the test and you want to make that test or or a series of tests. And sometimes you can make them in-house, sometimes you can't, sometimes you get to a point where you no longer can make them in-house because the scale's too big um, or you're where Abingdon is now focused on, which is being that partner, manufacturing, production, development partner to those companies that may have come up with the original idea, proprietary IP or however it ultimately works.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we work with some, you know, fantastic customers now, very, very bright people that have some brilliant ideas. And really, you know, our role in that is to, is to bring those ideas through to commercial success. And we can play, you know, a very, very significant part in that and pretty much, you know, run the whole development process through to scale up and and manufacture. Um, or we can play, you know, an element of that role. So it really depends on what the customer's need is. But yeah, we, um, we see ourselves very much as lateral flow technology experts. It's Lateral flow is all that we do um, yeah. deliberately. Um, and what we try and offer um, is a, is really holistic service offering. So, you know, w- where the gaps are from a customer point of view is w- where we look to fill,
0: really. Cause I think, I think it's always interesting to see what like mainstream media kind of picks up, you know, and I like, I love all of these. I love, I, we, we had, um we had Dr. Melanie Leon from, from a, yeah society called life arc they're trying to give away like a 1.3 billion pounds to cure motor neuron disease i was talking to her about this more about drugs but it's a similar type of thing where someone somewhere in academia invents a test that can test for this or something and then the bbc latches onto it and you're like right congratulations you managed to do that with like three samples in a lab yeah under extremely controlled conditions and congratulations you published a paper i'm like i'm super happy for you don't get me wrong but there's a huge journey from like there to actually getting it into the market at scale, right?
1: Absolutely. And I think you know, it it, it takes time as well. It takes yeah. time and and, and and effort and um and and considerable funding really to, yeah, to get money from that idea all the way through. And, and you're absolutely right, at every stage in, in, in the journey, there are bumps in the road, there are challenges to address. And I think the, the one thing that we have is a lot of experience built up over, as, as we've just talked about, decades, and, and really we can bring that to bear. And, and, and ultimately, you know, we, you know, we can speed that process up really for people for for customers. Well, I think like
0: what you what you can do is like if you don't know what you're doing and you don't embed. This is just my view. If you don't embed quality management and mm. processes and operational oversight and regulatory and if you're not really sophisticated in how to move a product through from research into development into production you will waste a huge amount of time which means you're going to waste a lot of money because as a startup time is money basically so like it's a you can save time which means you can save money which means ultimately it's around mission success for those companies
1: it it is and and, you know i've I've got you know i spoke to a um a company last week uh Middle of last week in the US, that had actually launched their product in the in the US, um, but oh, yeah. actually was costing them more to make the product than they were, you know, selling it for. And 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 a lot of that is down to those initial steps in terms of how you plan, how you how you design,
0: yeah,
1: and how you importantly how you design for manufacture. And I think that that's really where we can add a, a, a huge amount of value, um, because otherwise, you, you know, it, it becomes um, extremely challenging further down the line to redesign those processes it becomes well, it can, it can become
0: possible if it goes too far right because yeah. you don't you know that that company may not have enough funds to um to 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 buy enough time to unpick everything that you need to unpick to then be able to make it at the scale you need to make it can get very scary yeah
1: absolutely yeah
0: um it's a bit like do you ever i can't remember which film it was i can't remember the name escapes me at the moment But it was like a an overview of the early days of um, joy division and new order and they um the first new order album or maybe it was an EP where they wanted like this particular color scheme that was a code it was like a visual code and it cost them like twice as much as it did that they were selling it for so it yeah. like bankrupted the record company basically
1: well, I have a I have a slightly duller uh, other analogy than that which is um, we, we went and we, we had a tour around the jaguar Land rover factory oh, all right and that factory was that that's been developed over decades and decades, yeah. and so actually, you know, that innovation has happened, you know, since the seventies or you know the eighties, whatever it might be. So, and every step you take takes you into a certain path or a certain direction, and so you know, it's absolutely critical, you know, that to it, you know, to really analyze and really look at your approach, you know, from from day one, really, because it will influence where you are on day. 100 and day a thousand etc so yeah it's um yeah it's 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 an area that we we can we can really support our customers and and i think bring lots of learnings and lots of things that we've done in the past uh, you know bring those to bear really
0: so obviously there's like the big elephant in the room here which is covid which we'll come on to you know what i mean we're we're gonna get there like don't worry (laughs) you know Like I would imagine for like 95% of the people on the planet, it was the first time that they realized what a lateral flow test was. Yeah. Um, but before COVID, over the history of the company prior to COVID, what I guess, and leading up to COVID, like the day before you heard about COVID, right? What did you think the most exciting opportunities in the space were? Like what was getting you fired up the day before COVID was was announced? <laughs>
1: yeah we we'd always talked a lot about um the integration of lateral flow you know with other technology and we we absolutely felt that that whole area of health and wellbeing was 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 going to come and and that was really you know a, a key area of a focus for us but um but we've been talking about that probably for 5 to 7 years in in, in yeah. all honesty so Um, We still felt that was the the most exciting development, but it it was something that was taking quite a long time. So, you know, certainly from from our perspective, we saw that there was a opportunity for people to be empowered to manage their own health. Um, We felt that there was pressure, you know, probably not as much pressure as today on on the health service. and, And we felt that there needed to be a kind of a shift, a paradigm shift. Um, and, and we 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 saw opportunities for that coming, but I think it's fair to say you know that that we saw that as a five year ten year time horizon right
0: and what were the obstacles? what was slowing it down if were like what what were the things that hadn't clicked into place
1: um I think firstly, from a consumer point of view, it was lack of understanding of lateral flow um and then secondly from a technology point of view it was it was the need to integrate um the various aspects of technology. Yep. And then thirdly, it's the whole kind of um, regulatory regime, and also you know ad- adoption barriers to adoption in 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 you know in the public in you know public health, for example. So there, there are a number of different areas of uh, of challenge, really. Yeah, I, so
0: I remember we closed our angel round and started our lab literally a few days before you know before COVID hit, and um, so we were very at that time. And I remember having conversations with with various angel investors and all these kind of people and um you know i was shocked at the number of times people were like i love the business i love the sector i think the technology is great blah blah -blah." people are just not going to prick their finger though and i was like i (laughs) respectfully beg to differ um you know there's like 60 million venus blood draws done to run a lipid panel annually right so what percentage of those do you think you might want to convert but then you know you scroll forward a few months and then people are shoving all kinds of stuff up their nose and this that and the other and it was just a complete what but it was interesting at that time which is sort of what you're saying to see what the prevailing opinion was around because i i always felt like it was one of those instances where people's personal opinion at that moment which was will you prick your finger do i want to prick my finger the answer is always no i I would if i have a choice between not pricking my finger or pricking my finger probably i would err on the side of not pricking my finger so but the choice is if you prick your finger you can access this huge range of health data you can access treatment pathways you can do it at home you can do it yourself you don't need a gp appointment etc etc and then suddenly it starts to feel really really different so I felt like people weren't really analysing it in the, in the context or in the round, you know?
1: Yeah, and, I, and actually, you know, I've, um, I have three teenage boys and, and actually, you know, those are the consumers of tomorrow. Uh, and, and, and in reality, they, they would see no difference in, in testing themselves, you know, doing a fingerprint test for, for COVID um, than doing a vitamin D test or, or some other form of, of wellness test. So I think, I think also there's, there's a generational shift here um, that yeah. we're kind of in the midst of um and and, and that will really drive it i i
0: I agree with you completely but the um some of our most avid users and happiest users are the people over 70 yeah and they're more than willing to crack on you know and 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 so i kind of feel like there's there's everyone at every level that that has a level of comfort with it but I, i think it's sort of for too long there was this assumption that oh, people won't do that or people aren't interested in it or they won't take that step. And it's like, no, I think hmm. they will if they're provided with the right access at the right price, at the right convenience, in the right way, with the right pathway and the right motivation. I think that they will,
1: yes. you know? And actually, I think it was things like Fitbit, the you know the Apple Watch, all of these different things that people were very happy and comfortable managing data, actually, right. in reality. They were very, very, and actually they wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, and I think that that those almost with a precursor to I think what's going to come, which is people to be much more empowered and, and uh, you know to manage their own well-being over the the next decade or so. But but that was really what got me is that actually people monitor the steps, people are absolutely keen to do it, and, and people engage with it. It's it's a it's a it's almost like a two-way process. They they will change their behaviour and lifestyle to to basically impr- improve their steps and therefore improve their well-being.
0: Yeah, I mean, my producers shooting me death death stares so i have to go for an ad break in a second but the um i think what's really interesting is that you just generally psychology is that if you don't know where your baseline is yeah then you're less motivated to make changes because you can't track your progress like that's not rocket science you know that's pretty standard so yeah why would health be any different absolutely right we are going to go for our first commercial break Okay. Um, and then we'll, we will be back after a couple of minutes with Chris Yates, the CEO and co founder of Abingdon Health. We'll be right back. Radio. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. Good, good.
1: Apples and pears. Beef and
0: skittles. Cider with Rosie. Common or garden. Ant and deck. Fish and chips, mum and dad. UK love Health and dad. Radio and Health Strawberry. Triangle magazine. Each is good by itself, but enjoying My both is always better. Me quick. Add Health point. Triangle magazine to your so monthly health regime. Check it out at UKHealthRadio.com.
1: Once
0: upon a time... Human slavery was just a fact of life. Right now, animal abuse is often considered normal. In time, it won't be. Animal Aid campaigns peacefully against all forms of animal abuse and promotes cruelty-free living. Check out animalaid.org.uk. It's time for a kinder world. The station that makes you feel good. Hello and welcome back to this week's Health Tech Hour with me, Steve Roost, CEO and co-founder of PopDoc. And my guest this week, Chris Yates, the CEO and co-founder of Abingdon Health, who are one of the leading UK born and bred diagnostics companies Uh, a leading light of the uk life science industry so chris just before the break we were kind of getting into some interesting stuff around people's propensity or interest in managing their own health looking after their own health monitoring their own you know biological levels their biomarkers and so forth um what are some of the more interesting applications of lateral flow technology that allow people to do that right because obviously there is a there's a very clear use for lateral flow when it's an infection you have it you don't have it but there's a much bigger universe of how it's being used
1: yeah absolutely so i think from a if i look from a sort of self-testing perspective uh there there is there is a whole raft of new developments happening in the area of, of fertility Um, For example, whether it's ovulation testing, whether it's um, and also areas um, in in terms of women's health, um, such as uh, in areas such as the menopause. We're seeing a lot of growth in other infectious disease um, testing as well. Um, So uh, we're seeing a number of new developments come through in in, in sexually transmitted disease um, testing. Um, And then if I look at the kind of the the more kind of point of care area, I think we will also see um, lateral flow testing used you know, in terms of monitoring um, patients and monitoring patients under treatment. I mean, we we at Abingdon actually developed a a test for multiple myeloma, which is a blood cancer, um, which which effectively tested um, patients um, that were going through treatment for multiple myeloma, um, checking whether they were in remission and relapse. And that was something that you know, I, I felt was it was incredibly valuable actually because what it did was it allowed patients to to either go back onto treatment relatively quickly or come off treatment relatively quickly. And obviously there are clear advantages. If you if you're on chemotherapy, it's a really very tough treatment to be on. And if you don't need to be on it, if you can know that within an hour rather than knowing that within, you know, a week, um, mm-hmm. that has got to be you know extremely, you know, valuable from a from a personal point of view. So I think we'll see. Continued growth in the areas of, of self testing, whether that's infectious disease or other, other wellness tests, but also the use of lateral flow in you know in the hospital, you know in clinic, um, whether it's to to monitor patients, um, uh, you know under treatment, for example.
0: Cool. Um, I, I would agree with all of that. So, what? Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about the elephant in the room. I think now at this point, the, the big C, COVID um and then i want to make sure that we spend some time towards the end going through your experience of ipoing the company which it sounds like you ipo ipoed Cozark. so maybe you've done it twice which is which is amazing so mm-hmm. let's go through that and that journey um and you know why why you make those choices but w- when was the first point at which you realized that covid wasn't just you know another random respiratory thing that would sort of Maybe, maybe there'll be some testing, maybe there won't, you know, when did you realise it was something different?
1: Pretty early on, actually. So I, I, I watch the news quite a lot and I, I, I keep the track <laughs> of what's going on. And I didn't monitor, okay. um, you know, I did see quite a bit going on over the, over the Christmas period um, and into, into January um, and, and could kind of, kind of see the kind of warning lights really flashing um, so much so that by the end of January, we'd actually put uh, in, uh, the, in the business, put in a number of um, uh, steps to basically, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, making sure people were using um, hand wash, et cetera, and, and, and doing things. And we were quite ahead of the game, actually, from that point of view. So so we felt, you know, there was definitely something happening um, it's obviously very difficult to predict what, what actually, you know, where we ended up in the end. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the business, I have to be honest, we we were um, like everybody else over the course of kind of, you know, February and March. It was a really uncertain time for the yes. business. We were very unsure as to whether we would all go on furlough or were, whether right. we would continue as as, as a business, um, you know, supporting um, various um, activities um, in COVID. Um so that that was really so we 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 felt early on there was an issue um, in terms of the impact on the business that was obviously remained uncertain for a number of months actually.
0: But when did you get in? Because you well, I don't know quite how you want to get into it, but yeah. you're, you, you 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 ended up being one of the UK COVID test manufacturers, or at least contracted yeah. for that until the government kind of maybe didn't hold up their end of the you know, contract or something. So like how did that kind of come to pass? And you know, I mean that itself must have been on the one hand amazing because you've got huge orders and you're partaking in sort of saving the country and doing all those kind of things. And then I, I guess quite disturbing, frustrating and probably stressful when maybe they didn't do what they should have done. But I don't know. Yeah, we um we we were phoned actually,
1: um, and I might get the dates a bit wrong here, but it's sort of back end of March um, by Professor uh, Sir John Bell. He literally phoned okay. the office and yeah, and, the big dog, big and, John, uh, and and asked if we could help. And um, you know, I remember my operations uh, director uh, at the time, Michael, picked up the call and then he he, re- he relayed it to to my chairman, Chris, and myself. And within you know a few hours, we we were on calls, um, and we were basically asked, "Can we help uh, you know support and develop a, a, you know a test, an antibody test?" Um,
0: okay, so they came in. They came in first with antibody.
1: Yeah, and and that's what we and that's what we did. So we we literally turned the whole company into an, uh, a a development engine to 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 make an, an antibody test, and we also were asked to build a supply chain. Um, right. And so pretty much since, you know, from then onwards, um, from from kind of April through to um, June, July, when we actually got the, the product C marked, it was, you know, all which
0: which which, which was it was it through? Did you get an emergency use on that? Because that's an unbelievable timeline for people that don't know. That is probably a world record in some way, shape or form.
1: I have to be honest that the team were phenomenal. And that's incredible. And...
0: Three months. And, and Maybe they
1: were—it was incredible—and they were working. You know, do, uh, we had R and D teams working a morning shift and, a, and an evening shift. Um, they were working the weekends. You no, know, I'm not a scientist, so my role was supporting. So whether it was, bringing, they were like, "Chris, food. do not
0: touch this. No, do exactly. Get yes, do out. Not,
1: <laughs> don't put that white coat on. Keep, keep yes. it So you know, and, and 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 actually, they did a phenomenal job um, to to get something. Um, c marked you know basically by july um in, in a matter of a few months and 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 that must have been one of the first ones right give or take so our, ours was a, there were a number of um antibody tests that were already on the market which were uh, igm igg tests and ours was yeah. a specific igg test um and, and the reason actually we were brought in is because the government had bought you know a, a number of these you know other tests um, and they they didn 't they didn 't they really couldn 't find a use case for them, so right. they they, they didn 't you know they couldn 't really work out how to use them so so we developed this test in record time we brought together a consortium of other u k companies um uh, who would manufacture the test and um yeah it was a it was a massive effort actually and a tremendous effort by the team and and you know i 'm very proud of the effort they made because you know we, were, we we stood up stood up to be counted you know bluntly
0: yeah that 's incredible. And so um, what was the kind of thesis at the time the government was excited about with antibody testing? What, what Was it tracking the spread, presumably, in some way, shape, or form? I think it was,
1: again, you, you know, I'm kind of, I'm not guessing, but my, my assumption is that it was about, um, you know, checking whether people had a degree of immunity and therefore right. could, could go about their daily lives. Um, but obviously at, at, at a certain time, you know the government switched uh tack really and moved on to antigen testing
0: yeah big time
1: um, so um you know antibody testing kind of went you know slightly by the wayside um after a period of time and you know we were involved with with uh, uh, other commercial entities that were developing antigen tests as well so we had a you know pretty much once we'd done the development of the antibody test we had a couple of programs that we were working on you know with customers on the antigen test side but um yeah I'm I'm really proud of our efforts actually and you know whilst it didn't kind of work out exactly how we wanted it to and you know there were lots of challenges and issues that followed that but, you know ultimately when we were asked to stand up and 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 deliver something we did so and and well you know and I think my, and actually most UK companies were in the same boat as us you know you know and our, including our competitors we were we were asked to help and support and, and and we did so
0: Yeah I mean I I don't think anyone would disagree it was like a you know united front right everyone had to help um so one thing and maybe you saw it but i never did and the the research might exist i haven't i just haven't gone looking for it but because there was a huge amount of chat at the time around if you can quantify someone's antibody levels you might be able to determine you know what that immunity natural immunity actually is but i don't think if that necessarily was ever published and they actually connected antibody level with level of immunity necessarily but i don't know if you saw anything because i've I've, I've not come across it there
1: was some there was some um, work done by the who in in that area um and i know the government were also looking into it as well um we you know we um that wasn't really a a a a big focus of our own internal efforts It it was more to do with um you know developing a, a kind of a working assay and then and then scaling scaling up the manufacture of that so um but i think as i said uh, you know I, over the course of um uh 2020 and mainly in 2021 it, obviously the government switched its efforts to 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 antigen testing
0: yeah and like big time and you know important what, what i thought was interesting which i don't know was a bit of a footnote on on the whole thing but you know the anova tests that came in big time they didn't even get fda approval Mm. they didn't get through fda and i was when i saw that i was like okay Mm. that's kind of interesting
1: Mm. yeah i again it's difficult for me to comment on that i'm i'm not i wasn't party to the evaluations done at port and down um tests um but i think you know I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned, isn't there, from from Covid and, and the way it was. I hope been. so. Um, and I hope I hope it, they, those lessons are learned. And I, and I do think one of them is, you know, supporting and, and building up a, you know, a, a domestic you know diagnostic industry in general. I, I think it's something that, you know, there may well be a pandemic in the next 10 to 20 years. Obviously, everybody hopes there isn't. And I think we need our own um, surety of supply of those tests, and yeah, that 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 means that you know uh, whichever government it is needs to invest in, you know, R and D and support a, a domestic industry in 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 the yeah. way that the, for example, the US is doing, you know, with with, um, you know, supporting its domestic diagnostic industry um, and, and building it out, um, and, and has been for the for the last couple of years.
0: I think it's, I think that the political situation without getting too much into politics is very tricky, obviously, at the moment, you know, because they've cut, have they still cut the R&D tax credit? I think that's still cut, is it? Or is it reduced? I can't remember where it got ended up or whether they U-turned on it. Um, but for everyone listening, you, you, um, as a, if you're an innovative company, life science company, companies generating lots of you know scientific development progress and so forth you can get a tax credit which is actually quite meaningful and quite important for probably all companies in life sciences high tech engineering all of these things and the government i think maybe they u-turned on it but they certainly published that they were going to cut it i think they were going to halve it i'm not sure whether that went through have you heard anything I, i'm
1: not yeah i'm not i'm not completely clear as to where exactly we've got to on that
0: but that's like I think that's kind of. But then at the same time, the government says that they want the UK to become this kind of like, you know, or continue to be, or, yeah. or even more improve as a beacon of you know scientific innovation. So I think it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that one plays out. You know, yeah, I don't know.
1: You know, we've got we've got some amazing um, businesses. Some, you know, we've got a, obviously from a from an academic point of view, we've got world leading universities. We've got the really? NHS. We've got we've got a triumvirate of you know, uh of entities that, you know, working together could create something extremely special actually. So I think I think um it, it is important for the for for the government uh, you know to 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 really invest and support and, and I think it, for me it's come back to this surety of supply. You know, yeah we 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 need to ensure that we we have a level of control of our own destiny. And um, because we saw what happened with things like PPE during the pandemic. Oh my goodness. That people, you know, you know outbidding each other for that and actually i think it's important that we 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 have a bit more control over our own destiny really
0: yeah i mean it doesn't make any real sense to me that we would just be like importing thing importing tests from china that we can make mm-hmm. like and i know we did both like, don't get me wrong you know yeah. like but 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 yeah um and i i, I think i agree with you. i'm i'm not worried about I think our universities generate a huge amount of extremely valuable intellectual property, scientific innovation. I yeah. think at that like academic level, it's really quite strong from what I can yeah. tell, you know, yeah. from sort of given our population and, and things like that. I, I, I'm concerned about the transition of that research into real world application, the yeah. funding, the, the ability to take that research and then apply it. Yeah. That's where you need a huge amount of funding and funding at the right time and support at the right time you know and that's where government i think has to come in and play a role um as best as it can because you can see also when there's like negative economic headwinds mm-hmm. um private capital dries up too mm-hmm. so it can't be like oh well you know the government can't fund everything The you know private markets have to take care of themselves well what happens if the private markets are struggling then this stuff just doesn't get done, and then you end up in a bit of a vicious cycle.
1: Yeah, and I think these, you know, the, the diagnostic industry is a, has got huge export potential. Oh,
0: as you massive! Look
1: at it. Um, you know, if I look at our customer base at the moment, it's you know more than fifty percent of our contract customers are overseas. You know, right. a lot of, we do a lot of work in, in in the Middle East, a lot of work in the US, and and obviously mainland Europe as well. Um, and so there's this huge export potential, huge manufacturing potential um so it's it's you know there's there's potential taxable you know tax benefits you know in the future from that so um yes yeah, it's, it's i think it's a it's a it's a, it almost feels like diagnostics is, is becoming a you know a critical infrastructure really um uh, yeah i
0: would i mean i would agree with that because it helps helps the health service yeah. it provides jobs it provides growth and it's export friendly massively export friendly yeah. i would say um, I think we're getting onto a subject which which I we 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 spoke to um, Richard Phillips from the ABHI. He came on about a year or so ago talking about Brexit. Again, not looking to get political, but I think it's kind of interesting. It'd be interesting to see how this plays out because um, if you look at stuff like in the Middle East, if you look at Saudi Arabia, for example, mm-hmm. they will accept they will only accept medical devices that have got FDA approval mm-hmm. or CE marking. Or something else i can't remember what it is, maybe it's just f d a or c e mm-hmm. but like that means that if you're just u k c a marked mm. then you won't be able to go and export to Saudi Arabia you need to go and get it approved in another market
1: yeah i and i i have to be honest i um i do wonder why we have the different you know regulatory <laughs> I, I, I do it it seems to be logical that we all follow one process and actually. If that's the FDA, or if it, you know, it's, it's the rules are the same across the board. It, it feels it creates an an industry, you know, in its own right, really. Whereas actually, yeah. simplicity would
0: would seem to be the answer. Well, but also, like, if you're looking to again, with that, let's just just say we're not talking about sacrificing standards. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not no. what we're talking about. We're talking about saving huge amounts of time and money mm-hmm. for companies that mm-hmm. are producing quality things. Mm-hmm avoid having to just replicate and duplicate the same thing basically so switzerland did an interesting thing um shout out to switzerland all our swiss listeners they have um they because they obviously have this thousands of bilateral agreements with the eu they've obviously accepted ce marking but they've also just announced that they'll accept fda as well yeah so which i think is really clever because what you're not saying is not free-for-all you're just saying we recognize the FDA standard is really high standard and we'll accept anything that's been through the FDA, Like it's yeah. super pragmatic.
1: Yeah. And and maybe that's where the UK will end up in the end. I, I don't know. And, you know, from a, from an Aberdeen point of view, we provide a regulatory service to our customers. So one of the right. key things at the moment is helping customers with UK CA marking, you know, yeah. legally responsible person in the UK. We can, we also help customers with CE C marking. We, with the transition to IVDR, we're helping customers in you know with the f d a we're doing pre submissions but but ultimately it would make everyone's life a lot easier and, and certainly you know if I look just from the u k point of view it would make life a lot easier if if it was if it was the case of it was either C marking fDA like the Swiss I think that would that would be logical actually
0: I think that's how they have to go I think they've just been so busy with a whole bunch of other things yeah but i can i can't i just can't I just can't see it all it's going to take is for one big drug developer or one big med tech person yeah. to make one super special device available somewhere else. Yeah, then it will kind of go, you know, like there'll be one kind of shining example that will hit the front page of the daily mail. You know, somebody couldn't get their treatment because, and then, you know, then it will kind of change. Yeah. Um, Cause it, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Right. We've <laughs> got to go for a final commercial break. And then when we get back, we're going to talk about IPO and selling company, going public and all of that good stuff. So we will be back after this final break with my, with today's guest, Chris Yates, the CEO and co founder of Abingdon Health. We'll be right back. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. Animal Aid campaigns peacefully against all forms of animal abuse and promotes cruelty free living. We've been doing this for over 40 years. Every year, more and more people are living satisfying lives completely cruelty-free. Check out animalaid.org.uk. It's time for a kinder world.
1: A cancer diagnosis can be scary and stressful for everyone involved. Hello Love is a contemporary living space and well-being center in central London where anyone can come and learn about illness prevention and non-toxic practice. Inside, you will find a vegan restaurant, juice bar, and holistic dojo that encourage lifestyle changes to help heal mind, body, and spirit connection. Cancer patients are offered free sessions. To find out more, please visit us at hellolove.org.
0: UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. Hello and welcome back to the final part of this week's Health Tech Hour with me Steve Roost and my guest Chris Yates the CEO and co-founder of Abingdon Health. Right so you've got Abingdon Health it's like doing what it's doing you're cracking on and then at some point you're like right we're gonna IPO like how what was the thought process leading up to that why was IPO the right move for you guys versus continue to kind of I don't know, raise money or grow or like, why was that the right, you know, talk, talk us through that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, actually prior to COVID, we were looking at doing a, a growth capital round and actually we, we were the, the main reason for that was investing in automated kit. So right. I'd actually been out kind of so October, November, 19, 19, um, uh, sorry, 2019 looking, look, uh, talking to the various suppliers and, and looking at how we could, you know, invest, um, in our automation and and the the reason for that is we felt that that was the way we could compete and 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 really succeed was invest in in automated manufacturing making ourselves as efficient as possible um and therefore being as competitive as we could you know to, yeah. to support our customers um uh, covid then came along um and actually i suppose from a from a sort of size of sca- uh, capital raise um you know we were looking at a a, a larger raise really again to invest in our you know automated manufacturing facilities um so we'd had experience of, of floating a company on aim before as i said uh, which was cozart um i was actually the advisor on that float so i i previously worked in the city right. and um advised chris hand um who was the ceo at cozart who's now my chairman uh, on the float um that float had gone well um it had raised about uh, six million for the company and then uh, Cozart had gone on and done four acquisitions on AIM and raised a little bit more money on AIM. And then ultimately, you know, after kind of uh, a number of years on AIM, um, the business was was sold to, to a consolidator. And so it had been a pretty successful outcome, actually, for investors. Um, the exit multiples were like four times revenue, 40 plus times EBITDA. Right. And a number of the original investors, the VCT investors, had um, had made, you know, really good returns. And so we felt it was a, you know, it was a good route actually, and one that we were experienced in, um, and that was the reason we went down the, you know, the AIM route um, to raise the capital to to really invest in the business, to scale up our manufacturing, and, um, and you know, obviously at the time it was to support our manufacturing for COVID. Um, ultimately, you know, actually it's going to support our manufacturing for for pretty much everything apart from COVID. Um, but but that was the re- really, the reason for the for, for considering the float
0: okay and how did it go because you did you do it in the middle of covid
1: yes we 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 floated in december 2020 so um
0: wow like in the depths yeah it was really challenging um, yeah yeah to say the least um
1: because we were we were doing it obviously we were in the midst of of really kind of scaling up our manufacturing uh dealing with the supply chain um for for the antibody test and on top of that, we we were running the IPO process, and the IPO process is you know it's a it's a lengthy process, so it's about you know four or five month process. Um, and during the course of November, we had two weeks of uh, investor meetings, and uh, it was
0: virtual. A- were you allowed to do them in person? No,
1: it was all on it was all on uh, Team Teams or Zoom. It um, oh, must have been exhausting. It was eighty eighty investor meetings over two weeks. It oh, was all on Zoom. I mean. It was oh,
0: although although I will say though, yeah, that would t- it meant that you could do eighty if you had to do eighty investor meetings in person,
1: yeah, that, that would have taken forever. Yeah, it would have been impossible. Um so it was really efficient use of time and, and it was um it was a really intense, you know, period um over the course of November. And you know, we, we managed to 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 raise the money that we needed to 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 support you know the our growth ambitions for the business. So, from that point of view you know the i p o was a success um, um clearly, you know we've had some challenges in terms of you know the 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 share price and 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 the performance of of the 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 price over that of the period subsequent to that but but from an i p o point of view you know it was um it was good to get it done and it was a, it was a good um it's a stepping stone really you know i don't see that as a kind of flag waving exercise it allowed us to continue to grow and and um improve the business
0: Yeah. And I think that that's what people don't really realize about an IPO is that obviously for earlier investors and things like that, it's what it is an exit. Right. It is. They are. They are. They might sell some or potentially all of of what they put in, but they might have been in for a really long time. So that's like fair enough. They want to get their money out. But for the management team, it's not the end. In fact, it's basically the beginning of a new journey. You know, and hopefully a very exciting one with lots of other opportunities because that's kind of the point. But it's not the end.
1: No, it's not. And you know, certainly from my perspective, I've I've never sold a share in the company. And in fact, at the last placing we did um, in uh, December 2021, I I actually invested again in the company. So so for me, you know, it was it was absolutely a, a stepping stone for the business. But on a personal level, you know, you know our ambitions for this business are you know a, a really high and, and and within the you know the lateral flow industry has got huge growth potential and, and 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 that's our focus so and
0: what um well let's talk about that so future wise what's what's up next for abington health or the industry or both so we we are very much
1: focused on on our existing business model which is our cdmo business um and, and that's for
0: everyone contract manufacturing
1: so yeah so that's contract development and manufacturing uh, and and really our our focus is to is to continue to to kind of grow and expand that um uh, in addition we've we've launched a range of, of self tests under the abingdon simply test uh, brand um and that really is um is a is a range of tests that we we've launched on our own e commerce site and also uh on amazon um as well and we're also supplying it through various distribution partners and um and, and i think and that's really going to be our continued focus for the foreseeable future. We see great growth potential in both of those areas. Um, lateral flow, we see huge potential. It's a, you know, the industry as a whole is, some, is something like a $10 billion industry and and is, is growing at really good, you know, high single digits. Um, and as we talked about earlier, you know, COVID has been a, you know, the silver lining of, of the dark cloud of COVID, is for, for, you know, is the... Is, is it acting as a catalyst, really, for for the expansion of testing into lots of different areas?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly changed consumers' perception. I think it's changed healthcare systems' perception of the value of lateral flow, changed, um, you know, like healthcare organisations and things like that. I mean, I still think that there's there's work to be done around how to digitise what's effectively an analogue product. You know, I think that there's that's the next kind of frontier. Um, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that.
1: No, I, I agree. I, I think it needs to be integrated into a, a, an end-to-end solution, and, and I think you know there are obviously there's a lot of work going on, as you well know, in yeah. the um, And I and I think um, you know Lateral Flow is one element of it. And as we talked about right at the start, it's that integration piece. I think is going to be the critical critical success actually for the use of diagnostics, whether it's in self testing or point of care environments. Um, and so, um, yeah, we're we're involved in that as well. We've got our we've got AppDX, which is a an algorithm that reads lateral flow strips. Um, but as also, and I, you know, I listened to the the interview with Hamish last week. Um, yeah, there's the, there's the whole kind of GP element, and there's the whole kind of clinical care. Um, you know, rather than putting pressure on the healthcare service with people turning up with positive lateral flow tests, you, you know, ultimately we need to provide a, a, a more well, holistic I, offering. Actually,
0: well, I think that a really good example is. Um sexual some sexual health tests so for example chlamydia you know really simple one Mm. just get the antibiotics i think there's some other ones where you know there's different pathways due to the seriousness or due to what they might mean or follow on or complications or advice around medication but that one for me is a clear one a bit like uti testing yeah weirdly actually the nhs just pulled their funding for that and they're just basically telling um, pharmacists if you present with two or three symptoms verbal symptoms they just give you the antibiotics they don't even do a test anymore
1: yeah and i I think pharmacists and and pharmacy chains have got a huge role to play in this going forward yeah um, in terms of taking some pressure off primary care actually and also you know from a commercially it's the right thing for pharmacists to do as well so i think i think uh, they can provide that integrated solution in many cases actually and i think uh, that's got to be the way forward
0: yeah i think so and particularly with the funding strain you know like can't remember what I read, but I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. But it was some scary figure about the cut in funding or the closures of sexual health clinics during mm. the pandemic. Mm. It was like a frighteningly high number, mm. you know. And yeah. like this is a really classic example of where if you can have, if you can figure out the digital piece of it to make sure the pathways tracked potentially, but. A lot of those sexual health clinics, you, you go in and you just get the antibiotics anyway. Like It's not mm. like there's a digital pathway. But if you can do that, then I think that that's a classic area where where it can help, without a doubt.
1: No, I, I totally agree.
0: Um, right. So we've got a couple of minutes left in the show. It's been great to have you on. Just before we go, um, as a kind of a multi-time entrepreneur in, in the diagnostic space, what would your advice be to entrepreneurs, scientists, founders, you know, what, what What keeps you going? How do you kind of stay on your mission and get up and do this every day?
1: I think the first the first thing actually is is understand what your mission is. It's understanding why you get out of bed in the morning, uh, because, you know, it's extremely challenging. And it's, we're in extremely challenging times, you know, in terms of funding, et cetera. And I think from a personal point of view, it's always good to refer back to to that, what your mission is and why you do what you do. You know, and ultimately, it, you know, for many people in this industry, it's they want to make a difference and they want to improve people's lives. And you know, when you're in your rocking chair in your 80s, talking <laughs> to your mate, and you're saying, "Well, what did you do for a living?" You could, that's what you want to talk about is how you improved, you know, um, testing in a certain area, improve people's lives. So I think the first thing to do is make sure your mission is is defined and you stick to it. And the, the second thing is is resilience. You know, we are going through tough times. I think it's important to be resilient, stick to your guns, keep moving forward, and, and as, you know, certainly my experience working in small growth companies is there's loads of challenging days, but they only last a day. You sleep, and then you get on, and and, and the next day is different. And I think that that for me is is a really important thing to note is you know keep keep resilient and, and and keep going
0: basically. I love it. I love it, Chris. On that note, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be back again next week. If you missed it live, then feel free to get any of the shows on Spotify or other podcast channels. Um, Keep an eye out for the YouTube. But thank you very much. Uh, That was Chris Yates, CEO of and co-founder of Abingdon Health. Um, Thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening. Don't leave me alone You said you like my eyes And you like to make them roll Treat me like the queen Now you got me feeling thrown oh, but I can't help myself When you get close to me Baby, my tongue goes numb Sounds like bleh, bleh, bleh I don't want no one else Baby, I'm in too deep Here's a little song I wrote It's about you and me I'll be honest Looking at you got me thinking nonsense in my stomach when you walk in